This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and today's episode is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. Well, it's that time of year again, the return of our Halloween Recommendations episode. Last year, we had on Scared to Sing's Callum McDab and Stephanie Breyer. A few years back, we covered the trio of Dracula films, and way back in the history, we had Rachel Gordon on our first special. Today, we have Nathan Sizemore and Katie Cottrell of the hilarious and fantastic show, I Hope You Suffer. This will be the duo's second appearance on the show after coming on back in June. Before we get to the episode, I want to mention this on my last episode, but episode 127, my interview with Joshua Demieux of Quebecit, was my 50th show since the rebrand and coming aboard the Aesthetic Magazine family. This is a pretty big deal for me, and the fact that I've been able to interview people like Kelvin Harrison Jr. from The High Note, Martin Zeb of the Emmy-nominated sound person from Beastie Boy Story, Bruce Franks Jr., star of the Oscar-nominated short St. Louis Superman, and more, along with gaining press access to TIFF, Hot Docs, Cinefest Sudbury, and the upcoming Imaginative Festivals, have been huge for the show. While COVID has changed a lot of people's lives for the worse, it gave me the time and energy to focus on this show and produce weekly episodes since the start of April, a change from the previous bi-weekly or worse sporadic posting I used to do. So thank you to Curtis Sindri from Aesthetic, and thank you listeners for giving me the passion to continue the show at the level I've been making it. Without further ado, on to the Halloween movie picks. Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. I am now joined by Nathan Sizemore and Katie Cottrell of the I Hope You Suffer podcast, you might remember them when they came on back on episode 110, Hot Docs at Home, from in June, where we discussed Leap of Faith, the new documentary about The Exorcist that is now streaming on Shudder for everyone to see. Nathan and Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having us back. Yes, we're very excited. I guess before we kind of get into this, I just want to know, do you have any Halloween traditions? Katie, I know I've seen some pictures that you've posted on Twitter, and you seem to really get into decorating. Do you do anything else fun? Yeah, I sort of, uh, obviously Halloween is my favorite. Um, I normally decorate August 1st <laughs> and um, I usually do a couple like drawing prompts. Um, a lot of people probably are familiar with Inktober, which is going on now, but I'm not doing that. I did August where for every day in August, I drew a different picture based off of a prompt and it was all of ghosts. Um, and that was very challenging, but super fun. Uh, so aside from just like making spooky art and stuff, um, obviously I go all out with the pumpkin spice flavored stuff. Uh, I just try anything that I can get. And usually like this is kind of the opposite for me because like, you know, a lot of people watch horror movies year round, which obviously we do because that's aside from a personal interest, that's like the point of the podcast, right? Um, so normally during like the end of October and on Halloween, I have like a staple stack of movies that I watch. Um, but they tend to be more like nostalgic movies and not necessarily, it's not like Friday the 13th for me. It's like Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town. So like movies that I used to love watching when I was younger. Um, so yeah, the nostalgia and, you know, eating all the Halloween candy I can find. Those are my, those are my things. <laughs> That's great. Do you have any favorite Halloween candies? Oh man. Uh, I know I'm I putting you on the spot here. Yeah. 
that's okay. I have like a, an insane sweet tooth. Um, I really love Kit Kats are like my favorite. Also, M and M's. They put out these like chocolate, like cocoa crisp ones. This the last couple of years that have been my favorite. Um, I pretty much like anything except I absolutely hate candy corn. So. Oh well, then a bit <laughs> of a hot take here. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I think my problem is like. I used to like it when I was younger, and I think I just had a situation where I ate too much of it, and so now just the thought of the taste of candy corn makes me not want to eat. Like, makes it grosses me out. That's totally so. fair. There, there's definitely a limit where it's like if you have even one more, you're like, I'm probably gonna puke. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nathan, what about you? What's your what's your Halloween usually look like for you? Uh, I've always had jobs that like I, I don't ever seem to have Halloween off. So it's not like I haven't really done anything since high school. And it's also now my partner's birthday is Halloween. Oh, wow. So we just celebrate her birthday now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I don't really do anything. Like I'm not a big holiday person per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hate Halloween. I hate Halloween culture. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. Like I, it's like Katie said, like I watch horror movies pretty much all the time anyway. So it's not like a specific holiday thing, but there are movies that like will specifically kind of get like specific October watches just because of like the, the feeling around the month. But other than that, not really. You know, I don't really do much. I'm usually just working. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, my yeah. wife and I usually try to watch some classic monster movies uh, we didn't really decorate this year. I feel like it's already, you know, t- a little too late to do that. Uh, but, uh, oh, it's we'll... never too late. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time we're, we're at a dollar store or something like that. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick something up, uh, you know, a, a spider or a ghost or something and hang <laughs> it on the door. <laughs> I, I definitely spent most of the month looking for horror movie sales for oh. like for DVDs and Blu-rays. So uh, that's, that's pretty much probably like the only tradition, which is a little hard this year because going to stores is scary enough now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's its own Halloween adventure right there. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I've done a few Halloween themed episodes, mostly as a way for me to kind of explore watching horror movies. I was never interested in them as a kid, which means I'm kind of a chicken overall, but I started with, like I said, the classic horror films, the, the universal monster movies from the thirties and forties and kind of gone from there. I'm able to watch a few modern ones, but for the most part, I'm still pretty picky about what I watch. So I figured that you two would be great helps in both giving me suggestions and letting listeners know what kinds of movies you like. So I broke this down into three categories. Classic horror, meaning anything from 1970 uh, or before, which is an arbitrary year that I came up with. Uh, Modern horror, which means (laughs) anything from 1970s onwards. And then comedy horror, which is pretty self-explanatory there. Uh, I also have a bonus one where I'd love to hear a suggestion from the two of you about a movie that you have covered on your show, I Hope You Suffer, that people can either listen to the episode and then the movie or vice versa and uh, just sort of have a fun time with that because the types of films that you uh, cover usually is uh, more of the fun, jovial nature, I find. Uh, So I'm really curious to see where you go with that. So I guess we'll get right into this and we'll, we'll start with classic horror, which, you know, I said before 1970 is that a fair enough definition as far as what we consider classic horror or not so for me i feel like there's 
I I think I would do 1980 back because there's that like divide of like the 70s had a very specific horror style and then the 80s is when just like they just went off the rails with like (laughs) gore and like all of the video nasties and all that kind of stuff but it's also like I feel like there is there's there's also the thing of like you know like Dawn of the Dead was in the 70s and Alien was in the 70s. So, like, I could also see that, like, 70 of that cutoff as well. So, it's like, it's, it is definitely like a, it, I guess it kind of depends on your outlook of where, where your, like, horror, I guess, like, fandom started. Cause there's a lot of people that are just, like, dead set that everything past, like, 1989 is trash. <laughs> and, like, you know, only watch movies from like the eighties and seventies. And so like, if you have that mindset, you're going to be like, okay, well like my classic is 89 back. Mm -hmm. So I think, I guess it just kind of depends on where you, where your fandom of horror stuff sets. Like I'm, I'm into all of it. So like all of it is just whatever to me, I guess like until this, I never necessarily thought about a classic time period other than just being like, Oh, well, like I, I, for me, I figured like, there's like a, there's a, a pretty distinct difference for me when you go from something like, like, um, I don't know, like the, the like seventies kind of like hammer type films, like the Gothic big castle stuff. And then you get into the eighties where you have like evil dead and like the Friday, the 13th movies and all that stuff. So that's what my 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 kind of mid period thing is always like between seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. as opposed to like seventies and forward. I don't know if Katie's got like a, a specific idea or not though. Uh, that one's hard for me because I feel like obviously as time goes on, what we consider classic is different. Um, so to me, when I first heard classic for me my favorite movies i'm one of the 80s people like i love 80s horror movies they're my favorite um and i feel like i i hadn't seen i had i've seen like the very very original like classic monster movies um but i feel like unless you grew up watching 70s stuff if you're just like a person in 2020 and you're like i'm gonna go watch this movie from the 70s which is me like i hadn't seen a lot of them and i've really been trying to kind of branch out more into 70s stuff it can be kind of hard to get into i feel like because of like the editing and the pacing and the you know what we're used to as far as uh, special effects and scares and stuff goes but it's like real easy to just slip <laughs> right into an 80s movie and fall in love with it like for me personally that's how i feel so i th- i don't know the this this uh the idea <laughs> of a classic horror movie being like 70s or pre-70s was hard for me to find something that i've seen enough times that i'm comfortable enough to like recommend if mm-hmm. that makes sense no that totally makes sense i feel like katie and i spent like a week being like what about this movie what do you think about this movie? well you could do this movie that we were just like like i i had a couple like on my short list that i was like i'm gonna try and give these a rewatch and find like something because i really wanted to do like i really wanted to suggest like an early like italian like giallo movie but i never got time to like rewatch some stuff that i felt like i would be comfortable like talking off like the top of my head with mm-hmm. 
So, like, do you, do you want to go ahead and, like, just we just jump into our suggestions? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What, what is your yeah. suggestion for your classic horror movie? Then? Okay, so mine, like Katie, like Katie was saying, like, I feel like a lot of the stuff I've watched that's kind of in that, like, this classic period was, like, stuff that I've seen, but maybe just once, because I was like, I don't feel like I need to rewatch this now. Like, stuff like, I guess, like, Nosferatu. Like, I've seen it. I don't, right, yeah. I don't feel like it's something I ever really need to watch again. But I went with um, probably the most obvious pick I'll have of the the episode, 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Uh, solely because it's the like my my favorite movie regardless of genre of all time is dawn of the dead george romero's 1970 something i think 78 dawn of the dead and so this was like what put george romero like on the map as you know a director because he had just been doing commercials and stuff before this and it's kind of like i feel like the first movie in that kind of classic period, especially in like America, that was like the opening for what horror was about to become going into the seventies. And then especially into the eighties. Um, I don't, have you, have you seen this one Dakota? I actually Night have. This Dead? is probably going to be the only yeah. one on your list that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like this is like the, the kind of like easy pick for me. Cause like I said, I was looking through like lists of stuff and I was like, I, my original idea is I wanted to do blood and black lace, but it wasn't a movie that I was as kind of familiar with. And I wanted to give it a rewatch first where I just never got time. But I feel like night of the living dead is also a movie that is available to watch basically everywhere because George Romero, uh, when it was released, fucked up the rights to it to where it is now. It's just immediately went into public domain. So basically any streaming site, like you, anybody on YouTube could just put it up and like there's, they can't do anything about it. It's just in the public domain. Um, you can find just DVD copies of it from every company that makes DVDs. Like it's so widely available to see that it's kind of a good source, especially if it's like you're looking into like the zombie genre for the kind of the first time it's like the classic movie. I think you have to see the, especially like the first three George Romero zombie movies, like Night of the living dead, Dawn of the dead day of the dead, I think are all perfect movies and like kind of set their time periods pretty perfectly where one was late sixties, late seventies. I think day of the dead's like mid eighties and they all have like the feel of the movies coming out at that time, but also kind of pushing the genre forward a bit mm-hmm. and like the social commentary that George Romero threw into all three of them are like extremely timely, even like today watching them of like Night of the living dead dealing with racism and having the first kind of, I, I, I can't remember exactly if it's the first like black lead and I might just be like in a horror movie. I'm not sure there, but like, you know, uh, Dwayne Jones being cast was like a huge deal at the time. And then him kind of like being in control with all of like the rest of the cast where it's just like the, um, uh, Carl Hardman's character, Henry Cooper being like the, like just shitty 
white dude in the movie that's like trying to like make all of the bad decisions while Dwayne Jones's Ben character is the one who's just like, no, we're going to like board everything up. We're just going to hide out in here. And then all of these white people show up and like ruin it for everybody. <laughs> um, and it's also like, I mean, I feel like this is, this is the one that I feel like I'll be kind of spoilery with. Cause I feel like if you're at all somewhat, like a person that watches a lot of horror movies, you've probably seen die of the living dead. It's not like, you know, it's, I feel like spoilers after what almost 60 years is kind of. Yeah. Like our <laughs> game. Yeah. Yeah. This, like I said, this movie was 68. So, um, like the end of this movie where like, if like, I, I remember watching it without knowing what happened and you go through the entire movie following Ben, and he's like the last person alive and he's looking out like the, the boarded up window or whatever and sees like a group of people coming and he's kind of like, okay, like I made it through the night. There's like the quote unquote Calvary's on the way and then they shoot him in the head and kill him and like, you know, the hero of the movie dies at the end and you're just like, what just happened? And it's, I don't know, like everything about this movie kind of sets the pace in like you know like the late 60s of the movies that i feel like i gravitate towards moving forward into the 70s 80s 90s whatever like you could find touches of this movie in so many horror movies going like up until like today mm-hmm. now where would you say this you watch this in your like horror fandom did you like kind of go back after you were watching a lot of horror movies or was this like one of the early touchstone ones for you this was definitely like a, a teenage watch for me. Mm-hmm. So like pretty early on, but I like, I, you know, I had periods of like, you know, when I was like eight walking in and watching, like my parents watch like a horror movie and then kind of like sitting and watching stuff with them. Like, you know, child's play. I remember like the it miniseries in 1990 and stuff. Um, but this was like a movie I kind of sought out on my own kind of maybe like 13, 14. So pretty early on. Interesting. All right, Katie, what about you? What is your classic pick? I'm going to guess. Hold on. Rosemary's Baby. It is Rosemary's Baby from 1968. What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? He has his father's eyes. What are you talking about? Guys, eyes are normal. What have you done to him, you maniac? I tried to, okay, so with my list, I tried to go with things that are like some of my favorites, but maybe Rosemary's Baby aside, because I feel like a lot of people know this movie, at least by name. I tried to go with things that I felt like people wouldn't already go out of their way to watch. So, uh, yeah, so Rosemary's Baby was my pick. I love like the original Nosferatu. I think that's from like 22. I I don't know. That one's like super old though. So I feel like if you are someone who's like super into vampires, which I am, uh, I would recommend things like that or some of the universal monster ones. But this one, I feel like even though it was 68 is a little bit more modern because uh, I'm not going to spoil this movie. Have you seen this one? I actually have. Yeah. So I'm, I'm two for two. I'm I'm so excited. (laughs) There you go. Um, this is 
the, the reason I like this one so much is like it is pretty slow. It's more of like a psychological mo- horror movie. Um, takes a you know takes kind of a long time, but it like just follows this woman who's like a housewife and just like weird stuff is happening to her and you don't know why and you don't know the cause of it. And then the ending is just like. I'm not going to say what the ending is. I, I feel like the ending's a little bit more typical now, but for the time, it was kind of like, whoa, what the heck just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, one of the things that I really like about this movie is that I really like when movies, especially horror movies, are sort of like self-contained. So in the movie, it takes place mostly like in her apartment building. And she goes to kind of like different places in the apartment. And then sometimes she'll like, go out to the doctor or something Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously it's called Rosemary's baby and it deals with, you know, her being pregnant, but it really very much takes place, you know, just in, just in her apartment building. And it deals with a lot of like issues that face women as far as like dealing with husbands who, I don't know, don't understand emotions. So they just think that they're hysterical, which was like, pretty i think a pretty big issue like especially still at the time um and you know just i don't know there's just like something about it's not it's not like a typical horror movie there's not like blood and guts and people aren't getting stabbed really it's uh kind of like just you you watch her throughout the movie and you just like watch her psychosis sort of like take over and you're like what is going on and then it's sort of paranormal-ish i guess uh so yeah um, this is one that I, I watched it. I want to say that I was like just out of <laughs> high school for the first time because I had read the book when I was in high school. So, um, it's not one, but no, I do rewatch it. So yeah, it was, I watched that for the first time. I think it was about a year or two ago and I don't think I've seen like a more, perfect horror movie or even movie in general, just the way it it was so set up script wise, everything makes sense. And I sort of appreciate how, like, like you were talking about, it's kind of slow. I don't, I don't mean slow in a bad way where it just sort of lulls you into this couple's life. And then like, there's like the, the freaky little bit the the inciting incident that I won't really describe. And then it like goes back to being mundane again for quite a while. And then it like slowly ramps back up. And so it almost feels like a bit of a roller coaster with like the up and down with the emotions that you were led on. Yeah. And I also really appreciate when, um, stories have like an element of, is this crazy thing really happening or is like the character just imagining it? Uh, I think it was like handled really well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, the ending is pretty unambiguous, but for like a good portion of the second half, you're, you're really questioning whether or not it's real or not. Right. All right. uh, So I guess I'll go with my pick then. Uh, I had planned to talk about a movie called Carnival of Souls from 1962. I just watched it and I thought it was really interesting, even though it was a bit of a flawed movie. Uh, But then, uh, interestingly enough, just last night, uh, during the day, I saw on Instagram a picture of the DVD cover of a movie called The Uninvited from 1944. This is the voice of The Uninvited. It's coming from downstairs comes from everywhere and nowhere. A house of terror on the haunted cliffs of Cornwall, where the uninvited walk unseen by men. Yet a cat arches its back in fright. 
flowers are withered by the touch of an unseen malignant hand. And it's just this, this solid oh, yeah. black background with what looks like a woman being carried downstairs or something. But all you see is the woman in her dress is sort of draping downwards. Uh, and it just was such a striking image. I had to look up that movie. And so I watched that last night. And it had to be my pick. It's from 1944, and it stars Ray Milland, who uh, I've previously covered on his Oscar-winning movie, The Lost Weekend, about a guy that goes on a, a drinking bender in the dangers of alcoholism. And here, him and his sister buy this really old house on the edge of a cliff for super cheap, and they don't know why. And then all of a sudden, they, they find out that there are disturbances in the house where the house is like literally crying. And it's like not this like typical whale screaming. It's just like this very like sad whimper crying. And you're like, this is kind of unnerving. And they do their best to like be rational about it and be like, okay, something is happening. We need to figure out what's going on. How can we solve this? So I sort of appreciate that it's not like the horror movie tropes where you make every dumb decision possible. It's they try to go, okay, this is A, so what do we do to get to B? And then what do we do to get to C? And then slowly trying to unravel the mystery of why this house might be haunted and the hold it might have on uh, the granddaughter of the man who sold them the house has. Why, why is this granddaughter so enthralled with this house and what is her connection to it? And so it, it does a really good job. I'm not great with ghosts and they do a pretty good job for being 1944 of barely showing them and they're like these wispy smoke things and you... You don't really see the faces, and so it's really interesting, and they do a lot of good practical special effects where less is more, and I think they do a really good job with that, and I was so happy I ended up watching. Is this one that either of you have seen before? I have seen it. It's been a long time, but I remember being really into it when I watched it, and I also think there's like a remake that came out in like the early 2000s as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a movie called the uninvited from like 2009 that i have seen but i don't the plot does not sound familiar to me at all so i don't think it's like legit a remake but no i haven't seen this one uh and it sounds super interesting so i love ghosts and things like that so this is definitely one that i would check out yeah it does a really good job of of sort of trying to play around with what's going on i was reading about it and apparently this was the first movie about ghosts where it either wasn't a comedy or in the end it wasn't revealed to to be either like a scheme or a fraud like there was actually supernatural elements involved and so the studio was really nervous about releasing it and uh decided to add more ghost special effects to it and they do a good job because it's just the sort of right amount where it only comes up a few times the rest of it are, are very practical special effects like pages of a book turning or things like that where you don't see anything but the pages turning. So I think they do a really good job with that. And if anyone's seen the, the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rebecca, I sort of would compare it to that in that sort of moody, gothic, romantic horror film, but with actual supernatural elements instead of the sort of all being in your head aspect of Rebecca. Mm. I could see that. Yeah, so this is one, you know, I'll post the the picture of the cover, but, like, I saw this, the cover image of the Criterion Edition, and I was just like, I need to see this movie. It seems so interesting. It's so beautiful looking. Yeah, it's a gorgeous looking movie, mm-hmm. especially for, like, that time period. Yeah, I, I think they really did uh, a great job of trying to play it like a, a straight British drama and, and not 
play up the horror element. Sort of like uh, the best comedies work where all the performers in it are playing the comedy as drama, and that's where the sort of laughter comes through. And I think this is sort of the same way where they just play it as a straight drama, and then the horror kind of seeps through otherwise. Right. All right, so those are our classic horror movie picks that I arbitrarily made a, a year cut off, and I know I'm sure there's probably going to be some <laughs> horror fans that are going to jump down my throat about why I decided that. Uh, so maybe I'll have less uh, consternation with what is modern horror movies. Uh, you kind of talked about how it sort of seems each decade has its own vibe and feeling going for it. Is there anything really that you think makes a horror movie modern or not otherwise? I know that's a bit of an esoteric uh, question. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I feel like there's like... I feel like there's a thing, at least you can kind of have like... You know, there's a specific style the 70s had. There's a specific specific style like the 80s had. And then even like the 90s. Then I feel like the kind of... 2000 to 2010 was for horror specifically was just like remake central where I feel like nothing like there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of movies in that like time period. I like, but there's a lot of stuff that were like, you know, the Omen remake and the Amityville horror remake and a lot of international remakes. So lots of like Japanese and Korean films. Yeah. Made in English. Yeah. And, and they all kind of felt the same. Like they it just felt like Pete, like studios were just like, well, we have the rights to this established name, like Ringu where they did the ring. And so what other Japanese horror movies can we just throw the same vibe on with a pre-established title? People might know. And like, I feel like there was just this kind of like dearth of that going on in the early two thousands. And then like 2011 to now, I know a lot of people kind of complain about modern horror movies, but like there's so much like good shit happening right now. <laughs> like, so I, I'll, I'll jump into my pick because, and I I'll, I'll shout out a couple things. Like I had a short list of five movies that I was debating between and I'll shout out like the four I had before what I chose. So I, I had, um, Last year's The Color Out of Space was on my list. Uh, Richard Stanley's The Color Out of Space, which is, in my opinion, a perfect movie. Uh, absolutely beautiful to watch. Richard Stanley coming back after like 25 years of not directing a feature film. Nick Cage just being the most Nick Cage. Um, I had also with Nick Cage, I had Mandy from, I think, 2018, which another like just like a movie I think is absolutely perfect. Uh, I had 2018, I think's cam, which is right now. The only place you can watch is Netflix. I think it's like a Netflix exclusive, but this really weird ghost kind of body horror ish, I guess like movie about like a cam girl that starts kind of, like all of a sudden one day she wakes up and there's just like this imposter version of her doing her work and taking all of like her clients or whatever on this campsite. But it's like a ghost. I don't really know how to explain it without kind of spoiling it, but it's incredible. 
Um, I said I had five. I can't remember what my fourth one would have been or what it was. So I'm just going to jump into what my pick was. But my pick is um, 2019's Impedigor from Joko Anwar. It's an Indonesian horror movie, kind of like folk ghost haunting type movie. Um, I had not seen anything this director had done before because the only other movie I had been I'd seen of his pop up was a movie on shutter called Satan's slave, which I was like, this title sounds terrible. I'm not watching this. <laughs> like, I just figured it was going to be like a, just a shitty, like, uh, like demon movie or something. And I was like, this looks dumb. And then this came up and I saw a bunch of people raving about it from watching it on shutter. And I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And I watched it and it's, maybe one of the most visually appealing movies I've watched in a long time. It's a follows these two girls that are living in like, you know, a city in, I'm guessing in Indonesia. I don't remember if they state specifically, but where it's shot in Indonesia. So I'm going to guess it's there. Um, and they're kind of like trying to start their own little, like clothes selling business, but they're like, they're not making a lot of money and they're kind of like hurt, you know, just economically. And they find out that one of them might have this house in this like village that is kind of being bequeathed to them from like a death. And so they have to go to this village to find out if they could sell it and get the money for it. And I, I won't go too much into what happens when you get there because you, you really should just watch it. Like just shit starts going off the rails in this back village. But Everything is shot in this, I, I guess, just backwoods jungle area. So just everything in it has this incredible, uh, like scenery to it, and uh, including one scene that's just shot in like a bamboo jungle. Oh, and it it just looks beautiful. The the story in it, like I'm not a big ghost movie person. But like this, like held my attention the whole way. I was like, just like kind of like an edge of my seat. Watch the acting in it's great. There's some pretty good, uh, like gore kind of death effects. If that's the thing you're looking for in a movie, like, I don't know, this movie kind of had like everything that I'm looking for in it. Like, I don't, I can't recommend it enough. If I believe it's still on shutter, if it's something you're looking to watch, uh, and you have Shutter. I I can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Okay, Katie, is this one that you had seen as well? No, I haven't watched it yet. I'm pretty familiar with it at this point, though. But I haven't. Well, actually... there 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 was probably a week Kit and I weren't not talking about it in the group DM. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your modern pick? This one was hard for me because I. I feel like there's a lot of really good, like my favorite movies or horror movies are all like eighties or like two thousands. <laughs> so for me, this was a really hard for me. I was like, Dakota, I do not appreciate only picking one movie <laughs> for this vast category. Is um, it the lost boys? No, it's not the lost. Boys. Oh, damn it. Because I tried to go with something that I feel like people haven't seen. As as much yeah, the that's Lost out. Boys, that's kind of a thinking I went with. Yeah, the Lost Boys, one hundred percent. Everyone should watch it. It's one of my top five favorite movies of all time, as well as 
probably the second movie I've seen the most. The first one's Jurassic Park, um, which I don't feel like counts here. But um, so I don't know. For me, modern horror, like Nathan said, yeah, horror is like really exploding right now because I feel like earlier like before they had really like the technology to make stuff look like really cool and gnarly they had to really focus on like the storytelling and um the script and then i feel like once which which i feel like still really holds up with the 90s but for me it kind of took a turn when like cg became much more of a thing because then i felt like there was kind of a shift where it was like well we don't really care about the story as much as we care care about just like beheadings and like what kind of crazy special effects thing that we you know we can do which a lot of those movies like don't hold up now so I feel like they've kind of shifted back in towards like focusing more on the story than what crazy creature thing can we invent or whatever um this one was hard to narrow down but I went with uh 2008's let the right one in oh perfect uh, the original Swedish version. I have not seen the remake. <laughs> um, it's not bad. I, I've heard it's fine. Um, I don't have like any... I'll probably watch it at some point. I, I just feel like I just haven't had the chance. Um, but I love love this movie. I love the book. I recommend everybody read and watch both. Um, and I don't really know that this is a spoiler but um it's essentially like a kind of unconventional vampire story sort of um but it really focuses on like the main characters like this 12 year old boy who's like bullied and it kind of uh explores like his relationship to the world and his relationship to this person that he meets who is definitely not just a regular child um and I think that the story, again, maybe kind of like a slower movie um, because it's kind of it has like a lot of um, drama kind of elements to it. Um, but I just have, have you seen this one, Dakota? No, but it is one that I do eventually want to get around to it. I, I do a series on this show called Make Remake. And for a while, I, I toyed with the idea of doing both uh, both of these versions of it, but I never got around to doing it. So it is on my list to eventually watch. Okay. That would be, uh, uh, yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything in this movie that happens, um, but it is, storytelling is beautiful. It's shot really well. Uh, it has a scene in it that, uh, like, I'm not kidding, shocked me like mouth agape it's one of the like most beautiful scenes i've seen in any horror movie ever nathan knows exactly is, what i'm talking about but i'm not the, the, the pool I'm not, yeah okay I, i'll like i won't like yeah not saying what happens the this scene is legitimately maybe my favorite scene in a movie in the last 20 years yeah it's, like it's it's like one of the most like just beautiful looking insane kind of like one shot like things where like there's like the solid five minute it's probably not five minutes but maybe like two minute like one shot that i don't know how they did it i've never seen like a behind the scenes thing but i feel like i love it so much this is maybe my favorite vampire movie movie ever made yeah it's really good because like i really enjoy when 
the thing that I hate is that, like, you know, you get into one genre, like, I really like vampires, I really like ghost movies. But then you see, like, I feel like you can do a lot more with ghosts. So I'm just going to slide those aside. But with vampire movies, it's really hard to make one that is unique and interesting, but still works. Because, you know, like, there's an element of suspense like suspending your belief because it's a vampire it's like a mythical creature or whatever but it still has to feel like this movie still feels like it is in the real world and it's like believable if that makes <laughs> like if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah i definitely hear what you're saying and and I, I also understand where you're coming from as far as vampire movies because you know there's there's a certain subsection of the genres whether it's uh vampires or werewolves or whatever there's usually some sort of trope behind it to symbolize different meanings and you either are playing with the tropes or you're trying to go against it and then it becomes a genre unto itself by doing that and you get into a whole bunch of different issues yeah so yeah this one is from 2008 uh so not super recent, but it's definitely definitely in my top five. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. Real quick, Dakota, before you jump into your pick, my other movie that I had uh, I forgot was <laughs> 2018's The Pool uh, from Thailand. So watch that too. I think that's also a Shutter about a guy that gets stuck in an empty Olympic sized swimming pool with an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gotten to the comedy aspect yet. Oh, no, trust me. Nothing in this movie happens is funny. It's just like I have a thing where I'm like, I really like movies where like every choice the main character makes backfires. Mm. And this is a movie that just nothing this dude does is good. (laughs) And so it's like this constant stress of like, like he starts to do something. You're like, well, how's this going to fuck up on him? And like, it's it's really good. Is it basically like the uncut gems of horror movies? Yeah, kind of like you're like I was stressed out the entire time watching it. It's just like but it, there is like a comedy aspect to it, too, where you're just like how this dude gets stuck. Like like things happen where at one point, like a pizza delivery guy shows up to like deliver the pizza and the guy like the water is like drained out of the pool or whatever. And like he just leaves the pizza for this dog instead of like dealing with it. <laughs> so there's like really dumb things like that that happened, But. Yeah, that's that was my other movie that I was like debating between. <laughs> okay, well, I like the international elements that you bring into this. Yeah, like I, I feel like there's like this untapped. I guess not. I'll say untapped, but there's like this big kind of like thing happening right now with horror of like, especially like kind of like that. You know, like in like the mid two thousands, it was a lot of like Japanese movies, and now there's this like, uh, like South Korea and like Indonesia and stuff like that happening that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like maybe uh, maybe down the road, I'll have to plan some sort of episode around uh, international horror and get you back on for that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, All right. So my pick, speaking of somewhat international horror, is uh, Kronos from 1993, the Guillermo del Toro film. And I know this is probably going to sort of pale in comparison to the, the frights that you might get from some of the other movies that the two of you are mentioning, but uh, I've, I've always been a fan of Del Toro. I, I haven't seen a lot of his stuff, especially his earlier work. I, I love uh, the Hellboy movies and The Shape of Water, and I think Pan's Labyrinth was is my favorite one of his, and so I'm, I'm definitely curious <laughs> of going back and, and 
watching more of his older ones. And so I decided to go with Kronos and I really liked it because it was more of an exploration on, on aging and death and, and how we deal with that uh, on an individual level and at what price you'd be willing to pay to extend your life. And, and I think it does a really good job with that. There's not a lot of really frightening scenes. There's a couple really creepy scenes like uh, an old man gets down onto a marble floor and licks blood off the floor, which is pretty uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross. Uh, watching him supplely enjoying licking blood off the floors is not really something I recommend anyone doing. Uh, but uh, it has a hilarious end fight sequence that maybe lasts less than five minutes. And I don't think you'll see any sort of final boss fight scene ever that short again in a movie. So I appreciate <laughs> del Toro bucking the trend and doing something a bit different with that. Uh, but yeah, it, it was one I, I sort of appreciate and made you kind of think about mortality and death a little bit. Yeah. Kronos is great. Del Toro is like, I mean, like I feel like most people know probably just, just like a genius. Like, I don't know if I've seen anything he's done that I didn't like, or at least find something that I was like, that's really interesting. Like in also big shout out. Those Hellboy movies are perfect. Shame. We never got yeah. that at the end of his trilogy there. God, dude, I would like, even if they could like, cause they did two animated Hellboy movies. Like I would even take if he wrote the script, if they did like animated versions of them with just like letting, cause like the animated ones have the same cast doing the voices. Like if they're not going to let him make like a, a, a live action one, like do that. Like, let's just see how it ends. Yeah. Especially with the cliffhanger, we sort of got at the end of Hellboy two with the end of the world. Oh, such a shame, especially cause like that remake or whatever was not good. <laughs> yeah. I skipped that one. <laughs> I, I have it, to. It's 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 like fine. Just it doesn't stand up to what Del Toro did. Mm-hmm. Also, Shape of Water, really good. Yeah, I actually uh, saw that in the theater. Um, yes, yeah, so I. And I did not know what it was about. I just saw his name attached to it, and I was like, "Hey, let's go see this movie." It was pretty cool. Uh, but also, Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorites. Yeah, Pan's um, Labyrinth is also really good. I have not seen Kronos, though, so... Uh, I I believe you will whenever we get to that bonus episode. Okay. Because Kit said he was going to pick it if we do vampires. I, I was going to say, doesn't Kit like this one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry if I if I spoiled it for you there a little bit, Katie. No. I don't think you did. You know, I don't think you really said anything super spoilery. Okay. Uh, yeah. And like, if you're, if you're looking for pure frights, I would almost say that Pan's Labyrinth is probably more intense and unsettling than, than Kronos is, but it's definitely really nice to sort of see this progression of where he goes as far as building a world, which was clearly present from his earliest works. Yeah. All right. Now, before we kind of get into our next section of comedy horror, I, I have a bit of a question for the two of you and sort of see where you stand. I know what is considered horror, not horror, such a hotly debated subject, especially on the internet where everything is either black or white. There is no in between (laughs) where you get things like psychological thrillers and, you know, some people calling it horror movies, critics calling it horrors and then fans rebuffing it and be like, no, that's not horror and and different stuff like that. Like I've heard people say that the witch isn't horror and I watched that. I'm like, well, kind of scared me. So it's horror to me. (laughs) Where do you sort of stand? Is it like, Horror is up to the viewer, or do you sort of feel that there is some guidelines that need to be followed in order to be categorized as that? I don't 
know if I've ever necessarily thought about it as much. Like I, like you said, I think the witch is a horror movie. I just think it's like, cause I mean, there's a thing of just like finding horror in just like the atmosphere of a movie, as opposed to like just straight up like a, you know, a slasher or something. Yeah. Like a Friday the 13th or whatever. Um, I don't know, like I, because I know, like I guess I'm thinking of it in the context of what like the the next category we're doing is, and so like I can't. Did you say what we're doing next? Like horror comedy? Yeah, yeah. So like, I I know there's like a big thing where there's like a a kind of like a a split where some people are just like there can't be anything funny in this for it to be a horror movie or else it's just a comedy and like I don't think that's true like. Like you wouldn't have Evil Dead Two, which is like the most slapsticky of slapstick comedies, but also like the goriest movie. Right. Yeah. So that's that's something I've always in, was intrigued by. I think that there are definitely certain aspects that a movie has to have for it to be horror, but I think it's mostly up to the to the person watching, and because. I don't know how to explain this. When you're watching it, you get the feeling of whether it's a horror movie or not. Do you know what I mean? And that's different for everybody. Because, like, I know one of the big hot button ones is if, um, like, Silence of the Lambs and those movies are horror movies and people are like, no, they're not. But, like, there are definitely aspects in them that are present in horror movies. So, to me, they are. So, I think to some extent, it's up to the viewer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, then, yeah, mention it. It's going to be comedy horror, which I know is kind of a bit of a broad subject matter as well. Uh, Nathan, what what did you pick for that? Uh, my pick is what's the year this came? Twenty fourteen's Kevin Smith directed Tusk. I don't want you to go to Canada tomorrow it's for the podcast. It's what I do. I travel around and I interview weird or interesting people. So look out, you crazy Canucks! Wandering Wallace <laughs> takes a raunchy road trip up to the Great White North. Hello, I'm an old man who has enjoyed a long and storied life at sea. And after eons of oceanic adventure, I know I do not wish to spend my remaining years alone when I have such stories to share. How far is Bifrost from here? It's about two hours from here. It's about two hours away. I hate American guys. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I am a huge Kevin Smith fan. Like I like all of his movies, which I know is a not popular opinion. Um, and so when like I I listen to all his podcasts and I remember hit like the podcast that this spring out of like the episode of Smodcast he did where he kind of like they're joking about this uh I can't remember the name of the website is, but it was like a it's like a Craigslist in the UK that somebody put up a an ad that was like you know looking for a roommate you know free rent free food like whatever everything's free but like uh periodically i'll need you to dress up as a walrus and just pretend to be a walrus anytime i need to (laughs) but you can live here for free and so they're like joking about this ad and they're like you know this could be like a really like a weird movie and you kind of like as they're kind of like jokingly putting together this movie you kind of hear at a point like kevin smith click and he's like no like this could be a movie like this could be a movie and so he put like to people on twitter like you know hashtag walrus yes or hashtag walrus no if you want to see me make this movie and i think like 
only like there was just this huge amount of walrus yes and then only one walrus no that just had the caveat that he was like i think there should be at least one person to say no just so it doesn't look like a you know everybody said yes there should just be like one so there's just at least one so it's like and, a legit um, poll <laughs> yeah and so this like uh i'm i'm going to spoil this movie because I like I have to talk about the end because it's one of my favorite scenes of all time. So if you haven't seen it, if you're worried about that, there just just FYI, there'd be a spoiler. Just skip like three minutes ahead. Uh, this movie stars like Justin Long as the guy that gets turned into a walrus, and Michael Parks acting alongside him. And for the most part, a good majority of the movie is just those two acting off each other. And like Michael Parks, just fuck, like absolutely incredible actor. And like, I honestly think some of his best work in this movie because he's just like genuinely like creepy and just just off throughout the entire movie. And then Justin Long just being kind of like, what is like, I don't understand what is happening. And like, just his like bafflement of like, just you know, be kidnapped and then like wakes up one day and he's just like his legs gone. And Michael Parks being like, Oh, uh, a, a spider bit you. So I uh, had to amputate your leg off. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Cash. Um, also stars, uh, Haley Joel Osment as well. And then Johnny Depp as the detective in the movie who wow, has, a, so Johnny Depp is, has a prosthetic on his nose. So like, it's <laughs> supposed to like hiding him, but it looks like a dick. <laughs> So it's real stupid, but like the ending of this movie is a, is Justin Long in this walrus suit. And then Michael Parks in his own walrus suit fighting each other to the Fleetwood Mac song Tusk, (laughs) which like I is so stupid and on the nose, but it's like, it's so good. Like I can't. It's 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 one of the most ridiculous scenes I think I've ever seen, and I love it so much. <laughs> okay, uh, like it, it's got like that you know that kind of very goofy Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Kevin Smith comedy in it, and but like offset with just like this insane body horror stuff of you know Justin Long constantly being like knocked out and then waking up and he's got like this walrus suit on and full on tusks. It is like attached to his face and shit. It's very strange, but I love it. Interesting. I've, I've heard, uh, I don't think I've heard anyone sing the praises of that movie. So I'm glad I'm hearing <laughs> one person of the poll. Praise I, it. <laughs> I saw it in a theater the day it came out with one other person who was my mom <laughs> 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 who had no idea what she was going to see. Did she like it? Uh, I don't remember. I think she was just kind of like, well, that was weird. (laughs) Bit of an understatement. All right, Katie, what about you? Man, this was a tough one. Uh, I guess I didn't realize how much I like horror comedies until I was like trying to pin down a single one. Um, Because I feel like every year the one that like there's a lot that I rewatch that I just like never thought about it. Like, of course, Shaun of the Dead, Serial Mom, Fido. Like, I love jokes mixed in with just like really like because a lot of them are 
like funny like I feel like it has to it, it's really hard to pull off a good horror comedy because you have to be good at like the script you have to be good at the jokes because it can't be like corny and hokey you know what I mean like they're making jokes but they're still very much in this world where there's a lot of danger and like carnage and all that stuff so I feel like it's hard to pull off but when people do it's just like magic and I actually went with one that I don't really see a lot of people talk about and it's one that I saw for the first time recently and it is 2015's Patchwork so Ooh, I haven't seen that I saw this actually by accident because I it's I don't know if it's still on Shutter, but it was at the time when I saw it and it was like just playing on their TV section. And it's definitely nothing that I ever would have just watched because like, to be honest with you, it sounds sort of stupid, but it, I absolutely loved it. So the plot of it basically is that these three women go out, you know, they have different circumstances. They all go out and they wake up the next morning having been knocked out and their bodies are Frankensteined together. So they are, these three women are now one person and they, all of their consciousness are like still together in their mind. And she basically have to figure out like what happened. And so that alone tells you it's pretty crazy, uh, but it's like kind of over the top as far as gore goes. So if you don't like gore, like, this is probably not the movie for you, but I just genuinely thought it was hilarious. The story was crazy. The The special effects were, like, amazing. So that's that's why I settled on this one. Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that one, but that does sound pretty fun. It, it It's one of the ones that, like, I watched just, like I said, on accident and actually ended up really liking it to the point where I've rewatched it a few times. And, like, honestly, that doesn't really happen a lot for me. Okay, good to know. Uh, uh- also, shout out Serial Mom, because that was my backup behind Tusk. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I love John Waters. And that was like, I was like, I don't know. I feel like people talk about that a lot. And I kind of want to recommend a movie that I feel like either most people didn't watch because it's like a movie that sounds stupid from the outset. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's not one I'm, I'm familiar with. Can you describe that one briefly? This is the story of Beverly Sutton. Scramble eggs, anybody? A devoted mother. I'm so happy I could chip. You know how I hate the brown word. A loving wife. You think the kids are awake? We could be very quiet. I'm ready. Honey, you're hot tonight. (laughs) And a suspected murderer. Oh, kids, are you doing your homework? How did America's number one mom turn into one of America's most wanted? Is she really? Uh, It's... It's a John Waters movie, so if you're familiar with John Waters, it has like all of the kind of tropes and style John Waters is known for, like very campy. But it's uh, yeah, and um, what's the main actress's name? Uh, Kathleen Turner. Yeah, Kathleen Turner. Like she just plays this mom that's kind of like on the out, like like puts on the face perfect mom perfect house mom yeah yeah she puts on the face of this like 50s housewife or whatever but is like secretly like killing people and is like she'll like it starts (laughs) off with her like prank calling this woman like across the street or whatever and just saying like obscene things to her and it just kind of slowly like unravels from there but it's very like it's super funny and like Kathleen Turner is like incredible in it. It's also got like what Matthew Lillard's in it. Yeah, Ricky Lake. Uh, yeah, like it's 
it's an extremely extremely john waters movie so like you if if you're familiar with john waters you know what you're getting into but it's kind of like his stab at like like i i guess a slasher movie i don't know how else to like explain it interesting yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's i would say it's like a slasher-esque but it is it's really funny because she it it really is like super all-american family just like perfect you know not a hair out of place she's always got her full face of makeup on and she's like dealing with her kids being in high school and also she is a serial killer so it's just it's great (laughs) awesome i'll have to check that one out add it to my list so my pick is 2005's corpse bride the tim burton film uh, uh yeah when when this originally came out i was incredibly dismissive of it i was very over the the tim burton johnny depp pairing i thought they both had completely become hacks at the time and you know maybe there is some <laughs> truth to that still but uh i finally went back and, and just watched it recently for the very first time and and i really enjoyed it you know it's I know Tim Burton didn't direct Nightmare Before Christmas, but he is credited as being, you know, the driving force behind that film, even though it's a Henry Selleck film who did James and the Giant Peach as well. But so much of the characters here share the same DNA as that film, not only in look, but in the way they they talk and move and everything like that. So I really appreciate that as, as someone who has a soft spot for Nightmare Before Christmas from young uh, from a young age and you know having a a worm that basically looks and sounds like peter lorry i'm i was all (laughs) on board for that and so much of this is is sight gags it's a very small contained story where a young man who is betrothed to marry uh another woman he's too nervous to and practices vows in the forest and ends up marrying a dead body and then (laughs) humor and chaos ensues so it's you know it's very much not a horror in the sense of i was ever scared by it but in the you know childlike sensibilities of dealing with the the macabre and death and rotting flesh and things like that so it is definitely more comedy with uh horror imagery associated with it uh is this one that uh, either of you have seen katie it sounds like you have yeah corpse ride is one of my favorites um also, of course, Nightmare Before Christmas has been one of my tops since I was young. Like all of these animated ones are ones that I rewatch like all year round. And Corpse Bride, I felt like, yeah, it came out in 2005. So I felt like at the time, a lot of people did overlook it because they, same, same thing that you were just talking about. You're like, oh, Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, like what else do they have to do? Um, but I did see this one in theater just because I was like such a big fan of them. And, um, I feel like I don't really like singing and things, but the songs in this one I thought were like really unique to like, this isn't a Disney film, obviously, but a lot of those Disney, you know, movies, they all have like songs, like whatever. But this, to me, the music was sort of written more as like a play, if that makes sense. Um, But I mean, all, all of they just put so much detail into um, like the characters. It just like looks really unique. Like obviously, when you're looking at it, you know it's Tim Burton, but it looks really unique from other Tim Burton stuff. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it, it's I, 
I, I'm always kind of a sucker for incorporating aspects of old Hollywood into movies, and I think he does a really good job of, of having that sensibility of the, the 1930s through 50s style horror films. Yeah, I agree. I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. Like, I I think I got dragged to a theater by, like, my girlfriend at the time when it came out. And, like, I don't know. I have this thing where, like, my cutoff with Tim Burton is, like, the like the Batman movies or, like, Edward Scissorhand kind of, like, period. And then almost everything kind of following that, like, mid-90s. I'm just kind of like, meh, whatever. Yeah, I just, like, really love animated films and like claymation things like that so to me yeah that one that one is is definitely one of my favorites and then i know this isn't tim burton but um have you guys seen paranorman oh love it i have not that's another one of my like super top favorites too it's so good that one actually did kind of creep me out there's you know towards the end there's a, a the climactic scene it actually is kind of freaky and maybe that's just me because i'm not used to horror but uh there was probably elements that would really scare some young children if they were to watch that i think so <laughs> like it gets very intense very quickly yeah and they just really like push the envelope on in that one because they do a lot of like stop motion but also cg and i really felt like like that one came out in 2012, I think. And I really feel like they pushed the envelope on what you can do for like a, a children's movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably my favorite, uh, like a film from them. Oh de- yeah, definitely. All right. So those are those three that I can weigh in at some point, but, uh, I also asked the two of you if you can maybe recommend something either that uh, you had covered previously on your show, I Hope You Suffer, or maybe something sort of similar in that vein, whether it's a, a B-movie or a fun group viewing or So Bad It's Good, something like that, where I kind of left the criteria up to you to decide how you want to interpret it. So what did you kind of take from that question that I posed to you? So I feel like anytime this question comes up, there's about four movies that are like, we kind of toss between. And I, I, I assume Katie will agree, which is usually either it's Santa Jaws, Velocipaster, Carousel. And then the one we're going to talk about Manborg. Yeah. Those are the four I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't even talk. We didn't talk about this at all before we started recording. Like I honestly forgot this question until you like brought it up and I was like, Oh, Manborg. This isn't over. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to rip you to pieces. I look forward to that. No! My name is Manborg. Daimon. Your power is beyond anything the world has ever seen. So... Bamborg is, I think, 2011 Steve Kostansky uh, Astron 6 production, which so we did this for episode 100 of I Be Suffer because it was it was the second most requested movie we cover behind Trolls 2. Um, or Troll 2. I, can't, I don't think that's plural, but uh, Bamborg is a uh, I don't even know how to explain this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's. 
it's a movie about a soldier in a the, who gets killed during a war with hell that somebody turns into a junk pile robocop is the only way i can explain it <laughs> That's he uh, he um who then teams up with three other characters uh a character named mina a guy named justice and a guy named number one man <laughs> who <laughs> who go on to fight like the um just try to defeat the like uh, essentially like hell has come to earth and take it over and um they it's it's all shot on green screen so all of the background is green screen it kind of looks computer animated it has like a very distinct weird look to it um but then it's like all of the characters in it are like real people like i don't the look of it is very very unique it's hard to explain it really is but it's it's really funny and it's an ep- like i think we've done 12 episodes 11 or 12 episodes since 100 and i don't think we've not referenced manborg at least one time in each episode since that's true um and it also like they they add a trailer at the end of it for a fake movie called biocop that is maybe one of my favorite five minutes of Anything. film i've seen in a very long time <laughs> it's, it's i yeah it's i think this movie's currently streaming on prime um and it's only like uh like like maybe right over yeah it's like an hour long so it's a pretty short watch but it's it's it, uh, yeah i don't know it's it's really good and very funny and also pretty stupid which is pretty much what our podcast is about <laughs> Yeah, I think it does kind of, it, it is like, you don't start watching this movie and not realize that it's like crazy and meant to be funny. You know what I mean? Um, just because of the way that it's stylized, the dialogue is like the best dialogue ever. Um, and it's also like the characters are kind of like super like anime-ish. Like they're actual yeah. real people, but the, but the fighting and like the moves and stuff that they do are very like reminiscent of like anime to the point that number one man, like all of his dialogue is overdubbed in a very over the top anime style. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, like the story is cohesive. Like I think one of the issues we run into with some of these movies is that like the plot doesn't make sense or you can't really follow what's going on. And that's not the case with this one. It's like, it's like, it's very well crafted. Like everything that they did was for a reason. And like, you can really tell when you watch it and it's like, you don't, it's not one of those movies that you watch it one time and you're like, haha, Okay. Like I watched it all like many times at this point. I, um, yeah, we, we watched it. So like, what in August was when we did that episode and I've watched it four times since then. Whoa. Like it, I liked this movie so much that <laughs> as soon as we finished recording, I went on and ordered everything Astron 6 produced. So then, like, I got, like, a package of, like, their entire catalog, like, a week later. And now I'm, like, slowly digging into that. And then, like, I feel like if people aren't aware who Steve Kostansky, the guy who directed it is, he directed The Void, which came out a couple years ago that I think is, like, a 
a movie that a lot of kind of horror people are familiar with. And so like he did that, he did the Leprechaun returns movie that came out two years ago. Um, he's currently got a movie coming out that's hitting, like it's playing a lot of the festivals like right now called psycho gore man that I'm dying to see. Yeah. He's that's- also done like a lot of really good, like special effects makeup on like the Hannibal TV series. Um, a couple like other movies, um, like Silent Hill, Resident Evil kind of stuff. So he's legit, man. Yeah, he his his uh, like that was that's one of the things too about like like the costumes in this movie. There's like a a character called the Baron in it that like his, the makeup on him is pretty incredible. Like especially for this just like at like super low budget movie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll actually check that one out and I'll have to let you know what I think about it. Uh, not the type of movie I normally watch, but with, uh, with the, both of you having such a glowing recommendation for it, I feel like I have to now. Yeah. It's like I said, like it's only like an hour long. So it's not like you're like giving up like, you know, a two and a half hour runtime, like a lot of movies are now. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty like breezy watch and it's just like, I don't know. I've never seen anything else like it. Like, I think a lot of people kind of compare it to that. Um, what was that Kung Fu movie that came out? Uh, that was like very like vapor wavy looking. Um, oh shit. It just like, I just, I had it on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. There was a movie that came out that I remember was on Netflix a couple years ago that, people were losing their mind about, but now I'm not going to remember it. Someone on Twitter is probably yelling at me about it right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Kung Fu. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of what it was called now. So never mind. Pretend I didn't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, uh, all the movies that we talked about, I'm going to leave in the show notes. So in case you want to go back and, and check them out, people can definitely do so. Uh, Nathan, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to check out your show, I hope you suffer and follow you. What's the best place to do so? Um, we have an Instagram at I hope you suffer podcast and a new Twitter because our old one got suspended, <laughs> uh, which is I, I H Y S pod. Um, uh, I don't know if like I don't ever usually give out my personal stuff, but I'm at Gordon Scramsey on everything. And then I also have a podcast with my partner called Nate and Kate movie club that you can listen to. I think we're, we kind of record an episode just when we have time based on our schedules. And I think we're going to do one on the color out of space tomorrow. So that should be out by the time this comes out. Oh, awesome. Uh, and then Katie's at werewolf face on stuff. I don't have another podcast, but I do a lot of art. And I will make art for you. <laughs> you make excellent yeah. art, and uh, and thank yeah, you. <laughs> people should definitely check that out. Um, now, speaking about the show, what are you currently working on, or do you have any fun projects coming up that you want to promote? Uh, so we're currently two episodes into an eight-episode run of the Leprechaun series. So that'll run through, you know, weekly till the end of November, and then we'll probably just do a bunch of Christmas horror movies. Uh, we also, uh, last month set up a Patreon finally, uh, at patreon.com slash I hope you suffer podcast where we did our first monthly bonus episode on Lance Hendrickson. 
And then I think, I don't know if we've announced it yet, so uh, you could get the exclusive. I think it was announced on the Patreon episode, so like whoever subscribed heard it. But uh, our next one for November is going to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh. So we're going to do like three Jean-Claude Van Damme movies on there if you want to hear us talk about Jean-Claude Van Damme kicking people in the face. Yeah, could easily talk about him for days. So this will be probably a very long episode. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's very enticing. I'll make sure to include links to to all of your stuff, in, including the show and the Patreon in the show notes. So that way people can check that out. Uh, once again, thank you so much both for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us again. We need to get you on I Hope You Suffer at some point when we have a a movie I feel like you will want to watch. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I could probably do some of the things that you do, like watch some of the movies that you do. But yeah, you probably have to be a little bit selective with it. But uh, but yeah, if you want someone who maybe is a bit of an outsider to that world, I feel like I, I would have a fun time doing that. I feel like Christmas movies would be a good one because usually they're like extremely stupid. Like we did Santa Slay, which is just a movie starring Goldberg from like WWE and stuff. <laughs> and like... I think Chris Kattan was also in that movie. And then we did like Santa Jaws, which is, you know, a movie about a a shark with a Santa hat on. (laughs) (laughs) Usually our Christmas ones are usually extra stupid because most Christmas horror movies are very stupid. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to hopefully be able to, to come on and do that. That's awesome. Once again, thank you to Nathan Sizemore and Katie Cottrell from I Hope You Suffer for coming on the show. It's always a blast getting to hear their knowledge and expertise. If you check out any of the movies we talked about, please either send me or them a message letting us know. Speaking of which, make sure you follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. I want to thank Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. Thank you to Aesthetic Magazine for presenting the show. Please visit ContraZoomPod.com for all your CZP needs and bookmark it as I'll be adding lots of cool content to it over time. Please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts and send me a screenshot to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com and I'll add you to a list to mail you some free swag when they are available. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.